Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Bazuda, joined here by Rich Rebar. Rich, it's been a while since we've uh, done this, uh, since uh, about the Super Bowl, but the, here we are uh, in the middle of the free agency, and uh, we got a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, how are we doing? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a while. Like you said, you know, we were we were on top of the Super Bowl and the coverage of that, but uh, you know, the NFL season is officially here. You know, it begins this week, and uh, it's been a, a fun ride man a lot has happened this opening week and a lot to still to come so we'll probably be doing a couple of these pretty regularly through the draft uh and you know fall out of the draft uh because this is a hotbed for the nfl right now yeah it 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 never stops uh we had we had the super bowl and then we had like a week and then went to the combine i was in indianapolis for that so that was a whole thing and then came home and then there was a week and then free agency and this just this never stops and there's been a lot going on so let's just dive into the latest thing at least the latest thing as we're recording here on on uh on friday morning uh who knows by the time you're listening to this nine other things that could have happened but for us right now, as we're recording, uh, the latest thing was the Devontae Adams trade, uh, which happened late Thursday night. Um, so Devontae Adams going to the Las Vegas Raiders for a first and second round pick uh, in 2022. And then the Raiders are just giving Devontae Adams all the money. Um, so we'll, we'll get into that. But uh, as we just dive into that, like, what was your uh, first take on what uh, this, how this trade uh, came about and, and what happened? Well, I mean, it, the first thing I thought was like, oh, that that last dance photo made a lot of sense now. A year removed, you know, when Devontae Adams tweeted the uh, the, the the Jordan photo uh, last season. Uh, so that was the last dance for, you know, Devontae Adams and Rodgers. Apparently, uh, I mean, it's it's I want to believe everything on the surface that was said, you know, that Rodgers knew that he was not going to be part of the plans that he really had just the desire to go play with Derek Carr. He wasn't going to play in right. the franchise tag. We knew that just yeah, really he had to know, yeah. right? Like there's, there's no way after all of that, that Rogers was not at least somewhat aware. Right. Absolutely. I mean, back. I believe, I actually believe all that on face value. Yeah. You, you know, you call say that that's naive or not, but I mean, and, and for the Packers, you know, you, you have, we obviously want to retain a guy like Devontae Adams if you can. And it sounds like they wanted to match him. He just really wanted to go, move on and play with someone he had a relationship and play with the Raiders. Uh, and they were able to get, you know, a first and second round pick on a guy that they didn't have under contract. Uh, they didn't know if they wanted to give him that big contract, you know, after paying Aaron Rodgers while also having Jair Alexander up uh, to pay. So like, you know, it was one of those things that acquiesced the, the player that had a good relationship with the team for so long. And uh, here we are, you know, there's, a, there's definitely a fallout to be had here that I think we'll get into. But uh, that was my first thought was like, oh, the last dance. It really was the last dance. Yeah, it's, it's kind of wild. You weren't really expecting that after, you know, Rogers decided to come back. He had that contract. But then when you kind of like hear what happened, that, you know, he was aware of what would happen. Um, you know, it's, it's a chance to rebuild some of that receiving core, which they'll absolutely have to do um you know, like actually now it they for a while went on you know we don't really have to add wide receivers because we have Devonte adams uh we can just kind of fill in around that but uh, now you 
that has to add, add talent there unless you're you know running an offense through Randall Cobb, which probably uh, mm-hmm. is not something you want to be doing in the year 2022. Mari um, Rogers this time. <laughs> uh yeah all the all the jet sweeps that that they didn't really uh run last year uh is is now going to that's that's going to be the offense um but to to go to the the whole the whole contract situation is interesting because it, it does date back to last year when mm-hmm. you know a lot of the, the rogers stuff was happening too like adams wanted to be the the top paid wide receiver which which on its face, sure, it makes sense. But the way the the top contract on the wide receiver market was, was technically the DeAndre Hopkins deal, right? Where he got that like 54 and a half million on that two-year extension, which when like agents and teams and, and players are looking at um you know, what the, the average of a deal is, like they look at the new money on extensions, which usually it works out. But for Hopkins, when he got that deal, he still had three years left on his contract. So it was a, an additional two years on three years that were already there. So that while the extension, those extra two years were uh, in like the, the $27.25 million per year, like that wasn't what the actual contract was. They were able to spread out the signing bonus over those like five years. Um, so Hopkins was really making on like the whole five-year deal, like only like 18.8, which is still around the top of the wide receiver market, but not near where like that $27 million number was. And when Devontae Adams and the Packers were talking at the beginning of last year, Adams wanted that number and the Packers were like, no, that's not a real wide receiver number. We will pay you at the top of like what the actual market is, which was around, you know, Julio Jones at 22 million or like everybody else is around like 20 million, which you've seen from some other wide receiver contracts here. So like that always made sense to me in, in the Packers sense that like we can't treat that as a real number. Like that's way, that's so much of an outlier. Like we cannot pay you that. Um, and then it, it seems like, you know, uh, the Raiders were, were, obviously willing to pay that. It came out that the Packers were willing to match that when exactly they were willing to match. Uh, we're, we're not totally sure if that was, you know, too late in the process, but that is a huge number that Devontae Adams got. It's like, it's $28 million per year, which is insane. It's the highest uh, for a non-quarterback. It's like, it would be like the 12th highest cap it for a quarterback this year, um, which is, which is kind of nuts. And I think, it's interesting when, you know, we're looking at what the long term is like, that's a crazy deal over five years to be giving to a guy who's going to turn 30 this year immediately, like the Raiders are going to be very good. Right. So that's kind of the balance you have. Um, and there's, I think about 67 million uh, guaranteed in that deal. So it's like, it's kind of a three year, 67 million, which is around like what the top of the market kind of is. Um, you know, the Raiders have cap space. So I wouldn't be surprised if once we see the structure of that deal, there's a little more front loaded uh, where they can take that on. And it kind of limits the, the backs, the, the back end downside uh, of a guy who's going to be like 35 by the end of this like record setting deal here. So um, that, that was kind of like my first thought process was like, that was, that's a lot like Devonte Adams is, is great, but like, this isn't betting on a guy when he's 25, it's betting on a guy for five years when he's 30. I think he's going to age well, but th- that is a lot of risk uh, to be putting in the, the latter years of, of this deal. But for what the Raiders are going to be in 2022, it is really exciting. 
Yeah, and you know, I've done some research on like NFL careers and stuff through like a fantasy lens and, dy- and you know, dynasty football. Yeah. Like I've always shown like age 32 is like the cliff of like the point of no return on elite wide receiver play. So if it is front loaded to where it's like more of a three year deal, you've got age 30, age 31, age 30, it lines up right, like right on yeah. right on line with that. If they if that's the structure of the deal, and I think it's fine. I mean, I saw a lot of people are kind of dunking on the Raiders, but I mean, for what they gave up, I mean, pick 22 and 53, like I, I think that's fine. I I don't I don't mind it at all. To be honest, their return. And, you know, you, it's an arms race in the AFC West right now. It's a legit arms race. And, like, what are you going to do? You've got – you bring Josh McDaniels in. Uh, you've got Darren Waller. You've got Hunter Renfro. You add Devontae Adams now. I mean, you've got guys that can just get open now. Uh, you yeah. know, they've got questions on the back end and the offensive line. But, I mean, like I said, you look at the structure of this division. I mean, you, you have to. you got to load up. you got to load up in the AFC West to compete. I mean, it's going to be a fun division. Uh, I, think it's a, I think it was a pro move for the Raiders. I'm fine with it. I understand the risk. But uh, like you said, I think that the way it lines up, uh, that when the cap space they have now, I think that it, it was fine uh, what they gave up in return for it. Uh, it's not like they gave up a top 10 pick uh, or like a future one. Um, giving up the picks that they did, you know, then, then the salary is a, a separate thing, um, depending on what we see the actual layout of the contract. The Packers side, I think is more interesting too, because like I said, it frees up. They're probably going to extend Jay Alexander now, right? Like we would assume that that's the next domino to fall for them. Also, I mean, you know, not to you know downplay Devontae Adams. He's a great football player, but the Packers have been really good without Devontae Adams you know, in the past three years. They've, they're 7-0 and when he hasn't played. They've scored 32 points per game in those games. And now, outside of Devontae Adams, now, now it's like there's one thing when he misses time during the season, but now they're going in the rest of the offseason to plan knowing that he's not on the roster, right? So, like, yeah. it's not like they're going to have to elevate Marcus Valdez-Scantling or Alan Lazard to wide receiver one in week five through seven when he, Devontae Adams misses three weeks. Now they've got the rest of this offseason to kind of figure out what they're going to do and put around uh, Aaron Rodgers in this offense because, you know, you've got a good backfield, you've got a good quarterback, you've got a good offensive line. Now you can add a couple of veteran receivers. you got four top 60 picks. You can take maybe one or two bites at the apple on a young wide receiver while he's playing with, with some vet players. Um and, you know, kind of kind of figure this thing out. So I still think when you look at it from a Packers stance, obviously you never want to lose a guy like Devontae Adams. I don't want to say, like, the Packers are better off. I don't want to come off that way because I don't believe that. I mean, he's, you want to have as many great football players as you possibly can. Um, but I do think the Packers have kind of still the – outline here to be the best team in the NFC North still uh, like again, stick a pin. We don't know what the rest of the roster is going to look at come, you know, the start of September. Uh, but I do still think that they are going to be uh, a team in top contention for the NFC. I don't think this is going to torpedo uh, their immediate future. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting because it, in your you know, fantasy write up that you had on the uh, Adams trade, you had some of the splits that, that Rogers had, you know, with and without Devonte Adams. And I, I, I looked into it, uh, a little um, deeper before we started recording in just like the past two years, like there, there is not much of a difference, like in efficiency, right. With Devonte Adams on the field in the past two years. And that's like when Rogers has been great in like this system. Right. So we're just trying to take, um, you know, exactly like what the current outlook is um, like 0.23 EPA per dropback with Adams on the field, 0.25 without him. Um, but the entire kind of structure of the offense uh, changes a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. 7.93 that a dot with him, it drops all the way down to 6.82 um, without him. And, and without him, like 37.9% of Rogers throws 
or at or behind the line of scrimmage. And like that kind of is part of what this offense is. A lot of those RPOs and oh, they love having the the screens off RPOs and that's with and without um, Adams on the field. They, they really like went heavy into that without him. So obviously like that entire structure is going to change. So I'm, I'm interested to see what the Packers offense is going to look like when they're trying to run a more traditional offense as they plan right. it. Uh, without anytime really, he's like, missed, scheme, scheming any, around. Yeah. Anytime he's missed time, they've elevated Aaron Jones as a receiver. And right. that's like, they've had to like make Aaron Jones, like a de facto receiver. And like you said, that plays into like the reduced a dot and then the, 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 the reduced, you know, targets downfield. They now have the rest of the off season to structure like actual having wide receivers now. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see if, you know, having like just scheming around that for like a, a game or two, you know, mm-hmm. how that plays versus, you know, actually trying to have, but, you know, it's going to be multiple receivers, uh, you know, filling in the, you know, 30% target share that Devontae Adams usually has. So uh, I'm wondering, you know, how that kind of, you know, the, the balance uh, you have there, because you can't live in a world where uh, you're throwing 40% of your passes uh, at or behind the line of scrimmage, like over a full season. That's just, that's not sustainable. Um, so uh, I am interested to see. And like, when you look at what, uh, you know, the, the available receivers, like it, and not a lot really, you know, it stands out. Uh, are they going to try to like have, you know, Julio Jones, but like he just got a cut from Tennessee after, you know, being uh, injured and inconsistent. Uh, we is passed that, that 32 though. Like yeah. We were, yeah. We deep ab- absolutely. <laughs> like we, we had that discussion like bef- when he got traded to Tennessee last year, it's like, he's can be really good when he's on the field. You have to question when he's on the field and in another new offense, like that doesn't stand out as like a, you know, an obvious answer. Um, you know, they had interest in o- Odell Beckham when he was a free agent last year after he was cut by the Browns. But you know, with him getting having his torn ACL in the Super Bowl, like that, like in nine months puts him around like November for a return. So that like that's not that can't be answer number one for your wide receivers. Then you have like Jarvis Landry and Cole Beasley. Do you want to like really run the offense through like an older slot guy? Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure how much that works. So like there, and obviously I think they can double dip in the draft. They have, you know, four picks uh, in the first two rounds. Uh, they have, it's a nice receiver draft. Um, mm-hmm. So I think like you could take two receivers there, hope at least one of them plays out. But then again, you're relying on a rookie wide receiver to, um, to really run the offense. So like, I think the Packers are going to be okay, but there is like a, a fine line. They do have to run uh, between, you know, what they can do, what they can build and how they're going to build the offense going forward. Yeah. I think there's still a lot of options here, especially at the system that, you know, LaFleur runs and obviously having a guy like Rogers. I mean, obviously we don't know the health of Robert Woods and like the, the kind of like, you know uh, uh, you know, how much there is a lot of smoke to the fire of the, do they want to move him? Uh, you know, he was obviously, he's obviously a fit. I think Landry, the way he plays is a fit too, for the system too. And, you know, he's a guy that could be a nice bridge guy on a short-term contract. What, I mean, you've got Juju out there, you know, can Rogers resurrect the, the, the ghost of Juju that's been stuck in like that terrible Pittsburgh offense the past couple of years. Uh, it sounds like they want to bring MVS back. So maybe that takes away from like a lid lifter, like a Will Fuller, who we just assume is going to follow Watson wherever he goes anyways. Um, so there are a couple like options out there for guys, uh, you know, but knowing them, they, they'll probably get like Zach Pascal or something. <laughs> we'll be wondering what's going on. But uh, like I said, stick a pin on what they do the remainder of the offseason. But uh, it is a little bit of a different situation missing him, like you said, for a game or two and devising a game plan around that, except for having the rest of the offseason to kind of recalibrate. Yeah. And uh, if you want to hear you know more about what we've uh, been 
you know, kind of discussing here. Uh, Rich has been writing up that all of the fantasy uh, relevant free agent signings um, on the site. I've been running up almost every free agent, too many uh, free agents um, on the site also. So you can find them at uh, sharpfootballanalysis.com if you guys want to be looking at that. So let's let's move on to some of the other interesting things that have been happening. And I think part of it is uh, coming down to the quarterbacks. And like we've seen maybe more quarterback movement than we potentially thought, um, you know, when, when I was at the, the combine, I kind of came away from it, like going through a lot of like the, the coaching uh, press conferences, the GM press conferences, and just kind of talking to people that it didn't really seem like, you know, we were going to get that big quarterback movement. Um, and then Russell Wilson got traded. And then that was something that you didn't really uh, expect. Um, so that's kind of, it, it comes into that, that AFC West, uh, why the Raiders have to load up, right? Because, you know, the Broncos are doing it. The, the Chargers are doing it. Uh, the Chiefs are still the Chiefs, even though they haven't really made like a, a huge move. Although uh, I like the Justin Reed signing um, quite a bit in, in that secondary. So let's kind of start with the, the moves that have been made at quarterback. And then we can kind of talk to you about moves that are potentially can be made. But uh, Russell Wilson to Denver is is interesting, right? Because like he didn't want to be in that, you know, Seattle offense anymore, but I kind of think the thing with Russell Wilson and an offense is it, it always kind of becomes the Russell Wilson offense. And I think that's kind of, um, that's, that's the line. A lot of these offensive coordinators in Seattle have kind of had to toe. So, you know, I know there's like the Russ cook thing. I don't think Russell Wilson is really built to, you know, drop back 40 times a game. I like, I don't think that's how he should win, but also I don't think Seattle was built to run as often as they wanted to. Right. So there's like some middle ground there. And, and, and maybe that's what a new offense, a new, like an entirely new coaching staff can kind of it, find that middle ground and work to, to figure out uh, you know, how, how to really build an offense around that somewhere where that is the play action. Now in Denver, you have Javante Williams and, and Denver's built to run a, a lot better than, than Seattle was. So maybe you can have a lot of that, those play action, um, you know, pieces there. Um, but you know, with Wilson, again, it's like a, a thing where Denver kind of has to make the move. It was, you know, maybe a lot to give up. Maybe they're still the third best team in, in that division, but again, like it's, it's something you, you really have to do. Um, uh, I, and I'm really interested to see like where Wilson fits here. And I think you know, like, if you look at like a fantasy stance, especially with those wide receivers, I think like Cortland Sutton and, uh, and I think like Tim Patrick make a lot of sense. I'm not totally sold on the, on the Jerry Judy fit because I don't know if his strengths um, and even like, we can question what his strengths have been over the past, you know, two years. I'm not sure how well, like he completely fits uh, with Wilson. Um, but I think like, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see like the balance and what a kind of like an outside, a completely outside, right. Cause we've seen in Seattle, like they've tried to bring in some outside offensive coordinators, but it's still under like the Pete Carroll, like this is what we want to do to play Seahawks football. I'm very interested to see what in a completely outside, um, you know, voice and, and look of an offense looks like for Russell Wilson over a full season. I think when you look at it from the Seattle side, this was something I think they, they had to do. Uh, you know, they, they just, they, there was no way the way it was currently, their roster was current, currently constructed and what they had capital wise, that they were going to be able to turn this thing around 
in the timing. Like, and you always have a puncher's chance with a guy like Russ, but we've seen like they they haven't been strong and gone deep in the playoffs at all in the past five years. And there was just no way to like get them like to the next level. Uh, they just didn't have the resources, and this was something I think they they needed to do. Um, it's unfortunate. They still, we'll still have to see what they end up doing. I doubt that Drew Locke just goes in as the guy, uh, for the remainder of the off season. Um, although Seattle made it very clear yes. in their, <laughs> in their, uh, in their statements after that Russell Wilson was the one who wanted this, but yeah, like you said, like seeing what the Seattle roster is, was very apparent after you take Russell Wilson out of it, yes. right? You kind of look at that roster and it's just like, Oh, like, you have DK I mean, Metcalf as a building block them and to like that's, that yeah. baseline, right? Like they're Absolutely. like, and I mean, it's just, this roster has been, and you know, it's part of the, the hubris that they operated in the front office. I mean, you know, John Schneider deserves a lot of flack for how they've run that organization. And it's when you have a guy like Russell Wilson, you get that. That's how you develop that hubris, right? Like we, the chiefs have done a little bit of this recently. Like yep. the chiefs roster has mm-hmm. slowly started to deteriorate around Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they, you know, they've, they've thrown away some draft capital, uh, and you know, they don't have quite the, you know, they're, they're still not in a position like Seattle at all, but you know, you right. see the, the yeah. little bit, just the, the little bit happening. Uh, and you know, we'll see if some teams like, you know, when they have to start, when guys like Burrow and Herbert have to be extended, if we start to see stuff like that happen too, but not yet. Uh, yeah. We'll get to that too. The, the rookie quarterback deal. But yeah, I think when you, you brought up a great point with Russ that like, no matter what system you put Russ in the offense ends up becoming more of a Russell Wilson system. And we saw it's evidence last year too. I mean, um, he's still a guy that like, he, he doesn't want the free ones. Like Russ doesn't like the free ones. You know, he, he wants to make big plays and you see that. I mean, you know, on third down last year, he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. He's hanging around with the rookies on third down. He was, you know, he's, he's awesome when often you have offensive leverage and you can take those deep shots, but when you need to extend drives and, and move the sticks, I mean, that was a big problem for Seattle last year. I mean, he's hanging around with Justin Fields and, uh, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, all the rookie quarterbacks and like third down efficiency and, you know, completion rate on third downs. Um, and it was a big kind of, a, a that's how you hit those three and outs. Everyone brought up all of the p- limited plays Seattle ran last year, right? Well, when you live on just big plays and not extending drives, you're not going to run a lot of offensive plays. I do like the fit with Denver just because he doesn't have the top end talent. Like Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy are not as good as, as, as they're right now as DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but overall the total environment's just better than what it was in Seattle. Yeah. Um, just cause you still have functional receiver play. You add a guy like Tim Patrick, uh, you've got Albert O at tight end. You've got a better running game, a better offensive line and a better defense. Like just the environment's a lot better for success. I don't think for like, from a fancy sense, it really elevates Russ a lot. Russ means a lot more for the other Denver pieces though, uh, in that regard. I mean, obviously Cortland Sutton is a guy that, just had no efficient targets, uh, you know, vertically. He will get those now. I'm a little interested in Judy, though, maybe a little bit more than you, because when you look at Russ, like where he's had success, he likes those like slot scene guys. You know, obviously, I'm not copying, you know, Jerry Judy to Tyler Lockett, but he's a guy that like can get separation, like a Doug Baldwin type, or like when they had Jimmy Graham, like Russ likes those, those guys that get vertical up the middle of the field. Uh, so I'm curious to see if Judy like has that in his repertoire. Obviously, it's this is going to be a big fulcrum point for Judy, right? Like this year will tell us a lot of where we're going to move forward with him, uh, you know, as a talent in the NFL. But yeah, I do think that the overall environment adds a lot. Now, I don't know if this is enough for Denver, right? Like, I mean, I, I think you and I, when we get to this point where we're going to talk about what the Chargers did, I think we're both feeling pretty good about the Chargers. And a lot of they've 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 been loosey with the football with us for a lot of years in the past where it's like, yeah, the Chargers look like that team this year and then they don't. But it's different this time. Right. Tell me it's different. 
Yeah. It, uh, I mean, I, th- I think it is because it's, it's a completely different way they're, they're building, but yeah, like it, that was kind of where I came down in the, the Denver side. It's kind of, it's, it's a move you have to make, right? Because if you don't, you're getting so much further behind. And when you have, and it's not even like, you know, if you're sitting in like the NFC South or something, you can kind of wait for uh, Tom Brady to, I guess, like retire again, then like, and eventually make your strike, right? If, if you're Denver, you have, you know, Herbert and Mahomes in the division and like even Carr, but we don't have to really put like, put him on that level. Those are, those are young guys that they're going to be around for, for a while. So if you're not making a move now, like you don't really have the luxury of sitting and waiting uh, to make your move. Like you, you kind of have to strike now, even when all of these other teams are, are really good, but yeah, I, I don't think it, it completely elevates, um, you know, Denver to even being the favorite, but I think kind of what, what we've seen, I think I wrote about this and I, I, I think I said this on, on another podcast, like I think we've seen in this expanded playoff format, the only thing you need to do is really make the playoffs right now. Right. Because I think if you, you get in because there's only, you know, one buy um, and we're not necessarily seeing the, the best team in each conference to get the buy um, so far, like the had Tennessee as the number one seed in the AFC last year. Um, so I think like just getting into the playoffs. So I don't think it makes as big of a difference to either, you know, win that division, especially in the AFC West. Like we're almost guaranteed that the AFC West winner is not going to get the buy just because they're going yeah. to beat each other up so much. <laughs> so like, we're, we're not going to see a, like, uh, you know, uh, what, a, a 15 and two team. Is that, is that how we're doing this again? Um, uh, the records, um, I'm still not good on, on throwing the records out. Yeah. So like, we're not, I don't think we're going to see like a 15 and two team in the AFC West. Cause I think it's going to be too tough. Um, so like that, that opens up a thing. So it's not like there's going to be a buy. So it's, it'll be real interesting. So I think Denver's good. I like, I'm not totally sold on that defense being great right now. Cause I think we kind of saw some mm-hmm. of the holes they had and I like, they still have those holes, um, right now, uh, on that defense. And like, you don't have Vic Fangio anymore. So I think I'm still, uh, I'm not totally sure. Like if that's an average defense, like then Denver really needs to be like really good on offense and whether that clicks like in year one, uh, is going, uh, I'm not totally sold on. So, but I think we're like getting, you know, a little too far into like some futures and the, which will, you know, there's, there's still plenty to, to be done, but yeah, for like, for Denver, it's a move you, you have to make, but I wouldn't consider them like favorites in the AFC West and that, but that's just kind of the reality of the AFC West, uh, right now. Um, the, uh, we'll go to the quickly. We'll do another quarterback who already got moved. Um, and Carson Wentz, uh, why? <laughs> like uh, if we're looking for instant reactions like that that was that I mean, was we, did, we know why though right and we talked about a little bit about the, the pre-show and about your visit in, in at the combine and you know talking to coaches and stuff is that washington did there desperate. was no answer there's no rookie there's no rookie to help them so they're de- they're they're in the point of desperation and they weren't going to be able to get one of these rookies to help them uh and they they that just impacted their decision i mean it would, and, and you saw this all off season anytime i saw ron rivera speak 
before they tra- like all he brought he just looked withered by the court like he just looked like a man that was just beaten by his quarterback play the last few years and uh okay but <laughs> like i i understand that but like Carson well, Wentz ain't gonna make, help with that yeah they make bad decisions yeah I mean, i'm not i'm not defending the move i'm saying how we got oh, here. no 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 but like the, the, <laughs> but like when you go into into what like washington is doing like they like Yes, like you want an upgrade. Like you don't want to go in with with Taylor Heineke uh, as your quarterback, like for a full year. Like you don't want to plan for that. But like now, I, when I and I wrote this, I, I shared a, a graphic that shows like the two um, like heat maps from from twenty twenty one. Like Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke are the same quarterback. Like there is not much of an upgrade there, especially for giving up multiple third round picks and taking on all $28 million of, of Wentz's salary in 2022. Like that's a lot to give up for not that much of an upgrade. I think the biggest difference between those two last year were Wentz didn't throw as many interceptions, but he easily could have if some of his throws like actually got intercepted, like he threw some interceptable passes and, um, and Taylor Heineke took took a higher sack rate, and that was about the biggest difference. They were almost identical in a dot uh, in like yards per attempt, um, and like where they actually threw the ball. Like, I I don't see this as like a massive upgrade, and I think like that's one of those things where we saw like with Carolina last year. This was a move to make a move at quarterback, saying we don't want to have the same situation, yep. but then you're giving up assets and and bringing on more to like not necessarily upgrade the quarterback position and i think like that's that's probably the worst place that you want to be in where you're now forcing yourself to make a move because you feel like you need to make a move at quarterback and that's where we've seen the biggest mistakes uh over the past couple of years with a lot of these teams yeah i mean that's that's just it on ahead i mean there's really nothing to say i mean anyone that's listened to this show at all for the last two years has uh, heard us rail against Carson Wentz, and I don't want to make it a dunk on Carson Wentz. Uh, even during last year, when he was supposedly in the quasi MVP race for like six weeks, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it's just it's a tough situation. I mean, pour one out for Terry McLaurin. This is the this is the best Terry McLaurin's gotten. Yeah, and I was the uh, yeah, I, I I feel bad. Um, you know, I mean, there like there are going to be some flashes, but also like there were flashes with Taylor Heineke too. It's just, um, and, and again, it doesn't like stop them from drafting a quarterback at eleven if they want. But um, I'm not sure like what quarterback at eleven is going to help. I actually, I like I think Malik Willis is gone before that, um, and yep. I don't really think anyone else is going to help. So Washington's in in, in a tough spot, um, and I think like it was just it's it's a move because they needed to make a move. And I like that. That's, that's a dangerous way to, to build a franchise, especially uh, at that position. But um, yep. it's a darn thing the, all over again, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it, it absolutely is. It's, it's the exact same thing. Um, so what it, briefly we'll hit on quarterbacks who, who might move uh, here and uh, two that were, you know, in the Deshaun Watson uh, sweepstakes is uh, Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield. Um, these are two, it's, uh, I'm finding one a little more interesting than the other. Uh, I'm really interested in where Matt Ryan could potentially go. Um, and they've uh, pushed back his uh, his roster bonus that was going to be paid. And like, if if you were uh, a team who is taking on Which Matt to Ryan, me that signals they're getting Watson. 
Uh, yeah. Because they're trying Trump. to work out a period. They're trying to extend a period to where they don't announce Watson is coming. Cause if they announce Watson before doing anything with Ryan, they lose all leverage. Like it is in a trade market. Well, the other thing yeah. is they have to have uh, enough cap space yeah. to bring in Watson <laughs> for when they do. So like they have to have uh, Matt Ryan, um, trade in place and have him off the books before they uh, can actually bring in Watson if they, if they do. Um, so Matt Ryan, two years, uh, like just under 52 million uh, remaining on his contract, which I, I don't think is bad for, for someone like Matt Ryan. And if he goes to like Indianapolis, I think that makes a ton of sense. And I'm, I'm completely here for Chris Ballard, just fully embracing the way of feeling quarterback is to like keep acquiring um, aging quarterbacks in, in the twilights of their career. Um, you know, Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan, just like, I don't necessarily know who would be next in that line. Cause I think we kind of have like a, a drop between uh, the younger quarterbacks. We don't really have those aging vets anymore, but uh, I'm fully here for, for that. Cause it worked out well with rivers. Like if rivers wanted to stay more than one year, like if rivers played last year, like he potentially still could have been good. He was top 10 in EPA per uh, drop back um, in, in 2020. So like that was an efficient way to go. Uh, I still think like Matt Ryan, like you can talk kind of like so much talk about his arm strength. Right. But when you look at the uh, quarterbacks, who threw at least uh uh, three, uh, 50 attempts uh, of 15 or more air yards. Matt Ryan was 20th in completion percentage, which like makes sense. He wasn't great, but fifth in on target rate and second in catchable rate. So like those throws were getting there. They just like weren't getting caught. So I'm really interested to see like uh, what we'd have to see. Like if you put him in Indianapolis, um, like that is in a dome, which helps, but you don't exactly have the receivers right now who were helping. And uh, again, like so much of what we're, looking at is you know still open-ended because i think if you then have the quarterback if you're indianapolis you might get a little more aggressive in in adding something but also like they their mo is just to not be aggressive even though they just have all this cap space like eventually they do have to spend it that's kind of a a chris ballard uh hang up that that i'm kind of like you got to do something um it's been like five years of them like not being like super aggressive it's just like maybe do do something at some point but i think if you put matt ryan there it, it makes a lot of sense the afc south is is not great um so i think i think that that could make a lot of sense uh i'm not sure where matt ryan fits like otherwise and then that's I think really that, it that's really the only yeah. one man <laughs> that's that's really the only spot i think he does fit uh you're talking about a guy that's what 37 he'll be 37 yeah. it, it, it's got to be one of those ty- it's got to be a team that's like literally on the cusp we're making a playoff push. Uh, other than that, like, you know, that, that's really the only spot. I don't really see maybe like, you know, he, he would cross and go to the saints. Like maybe it would be the other one, like, but they can't trade for him. Yeah. It's yeah. I think it, Indianapolis makes, makes a lot of sense there. But like Seattle, then, doesn't make any sense to take on Matt Ryan. Like, no. Even Cleveland doesn't make it. It doesn't make a ton of sense to swap. I guess that would be like the next, like the facto spot you'd get to, but like, it doesn't make a ton of sense for them either, but no, no, but we'll, so Cleveland, Baker Bayfield, um, man, how, how that went downhill very quickly. Uh, you you get both sides of it. It's, it's what it is. (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, so you like, understand why the Browns wanted to try to get Watson and you understand why, uh, you know, listen, man, you get, you got caught trying to sleep with another woman. You get, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, he's not going to want you back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like it's, we've seen, and, and it, like, it's, we've seen like the, the ups and downs of Baker Mayfield, like as a quarterback also, like we've seen what he can do when this structure is like very much in place. And we've seen like he can play well. And then when he was, you know, playing hurt and like even before he was like playing hurt, like we've seen a lot of the inconsistency. Like you could see when Baker Mayfield does not have uh, all of the like structure and the ideal placement uh, around him. Um, And it's someone who can, you know, bring down an offense instead of elevating it. Um, So it's, you know, one year and what, like it, uh, and, and not all, like a lot of money. It's what, like $18 million is, is that the fifth year option, which like is not terrible. No. Um, like if you want to, you know, bring him in, uh, I think like that makes a lot more sense than like what the Sam Darnold trade was. Cause we're like, we've at least seen like a, you can scheme around uh, uh, Baker Mayfield. And like, if you are at Seattle, I think that could potentially, you know, make some sense. You're, you're going to want to have, you know, a a lot of uh, runs. You're going to want to have a lot of like play action. Uh, I think he fits in like the Shane Waldron, like I've already schemed around Jared Goff offense um, (laughs) that you can potentially put Baker Mayfield in. So I think like that fit, um, it makes some sense, but yeah, like it, it kind of seems like a, a lot of this, like Deshaun Watson stuff and like, we don't have to get into that. I, I would recommend uh, Jenny Francis on the Mina Kimes podcast if you want to like listen to uh, so a lot of what the Deshaun Watson situation is. But um, uh, we we've seen like these teams kind of like force their hands into having to make these quarterback trades because they jumped into the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, and it's just it's bringing on more quarterback movement than we thought. And now some of these teams that aren't going to get Watson are now going to have to like refigure out what they're going to do at quarterback. And I, it makes the entire quarterback carousel like move a, a little quicker than maybe we, we would have thought like even a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, you kind of touched on it. Yeah. Like, the thing with Baker is not that he's necessarily a bad quarterback. I think like, like we said, like the, with like the Darnold trade, uh, the thing with Baker, I think that was, is just more like, is he a purgatory quarterback, right? Like we like, yep. is he a ceiling quarterback? That's like where we're at the fulcrum point of Baker Mayfield's career right now is, do you want to take this on? Is he, is he a guy that is like the contracts like golf and when Scott, is he a guy that's going to get past that and move you on? Um, and that's kind of a question that's to be determined. So that's kind of where we are. Um, you know, like, again, we're at the same like crossroads though with him, like you said, like Seattle, he, that's a spot that would make sense. Like for a guy like Baker Mayfield, to kind of like resurrect. Uh, but then other than that, like where are the other landing spots? Like it almost, it's like they almost have to try to make this thing work. And I don't know if they can, but uh, th- there's nowhere else for them to really go. Yeah. And I think that's, that's an interesting thing. Like when, like we haven't even talked about Jimmy Garoppolo, who if we right. had done this two weeks ago, would have said he was the quarterback most likely to be traded. And now it's almost as if, you know, he's a quarterback without a potential landing spot. Um, they're like the, the musical chairs have been going around and there's, there's not oh, a lot I of I open seats left. One. I can't go into week one and thinking that Garoppolo might start with the 49ers over trillions. I, I, yeah. So that's, that's <laughs> that like might again. be, that might be where we are at, at this point, just because again. there's, 
when you look at the the potential openings here, like there's there's not a lot left, and like you have the quarterbacks who are still free agents. Like you have, you know, the James Winston, Marcus Mariota, who, you know, we kind of expected would come in and, and maybe be like bridge guys somewhere. Um, there's just the, the, the seats are kind of filling up, which makes th- these next few quarterback moves like really, really interesting uh, because it just has, you know, a ripple effect all across, you know, the, the rest of the league. Um, so that was a lot on quarterbacks. Let's well, uh, well, we'll probably next week when we, we do run this back, we might have more to say on that front. Yeah. Um, yeah and again, it's, it's like, it, it impacts the, everything else, um, which, you know, keeps going on. And like the quarterbacks have, have played a, a big part in the free agency here. So let's, let's move on. Let's, let's quickly hit on some of the other, you know, wide receivers, because uh, I think uh, those, those matter. We had uh, Allen Robinson uh, go to the Rams, which I think like has some other wide receiver fallout of whether, you know, there were rumors that, you know, Robert Woods would then be the, on the block, but um, you know, it's, you know, the Rams want to run 11 personnel. And if you have, you know, Robert Woods, Cooper cup and Allen Robinson, that's really good. Uh, there were reports both by uh, Adam Schefter and uh, Jordan Rodriguez of the athletic that this doesn't necessarily close the door on them, bringing back Odell Beckham, um, which like, I don't think a team could ever have too many good wide receivers like that. That's never been a thing. No team has ever yeah. had too many good wide receivers. That That's literally never happened uh, in the NFL. So uh, like they, they can make that work. Um, so, and then we've also had, uh, you know, Chris Godwin and Mike Williams went, uh, from the franchise tag to, uh, three years, $60 million deals. Uh, they both got the, the same deal, uh, which is the same, uh, as what is left on Amari Cooper's contract after he got traded to Cleveland. Um, uh, so when you, know, you look at that, do you have a, a favorite deal? One that kind of has, uh, the, maybe the most impact, uh, for 2022. Yeah, I mean, if you're the Rams, I mean, the Rams were in a position where they still needed to get a receiver. I mean, Odell Beckham might not play till November. Uh, Robert Woods also tore his ACL in December. Uh, and there was whispers last offseason that he might be on the block and, you know, didn't really play str- strongly uh, to start the season and was kind of disgruntled, then, then got hot before he tore his ACL. Uh, but they needed to get another receiver. This is a team that lives in 11 personnel. Van Jefferson has yet to grow out of just being kind of like, a, you know, he was, he was kind of stuck in just like the, the air yards role, right, last year. Um, so they needed another guy. And I like this. I like this fit a lot. I mean, Allen Robinson, last time he was up for agency, chose to go to the Bears to lead a what, you know, he envisioned to be an ascending offense at the time, a young Mitchell Trubisky, you had Matt Nagy, you know, just hired. Uh, it just didn't work out that way. None of those things ended up manifesting. He's ended up now, you know, he's taken 80% of his career targets from Blake Bortles and Mitchell Trubisky. And now he's going to play with Matthew Stafford. And and, and not only is he going to play with Matthew Stafford, the best quarterback he can play, he's going to play in a scheme that is going to afford giving him like more opportunities like downfield than he's gotten in years past. Um, because he's really not going to take slot snaps away from Cooper cup. Cause he's kind of moonlit in the slot a little bit at his time in Chicago. And we're not going to really see a lot of that, I think with the Rams. Um, but he's also uh, like this offense hasn't had like a guy like Allen Robinson either, even Odell's not really like that. Odell, you know, is more of like a, a vertical dig, dig type of guy run, go routes. Allen Robinson is like a big, like physical, like alpha X guy. And, you know, that, you know, they haven't really had that type of guy there. So I do like the, the fit there a lot. I think he chose, he chose wisely this time in free agency. And he ended up still getting a good deal out of it too. It wasn't like he got a, like a prove it deal, right. like a pennies deal. Um, and I will say that the other signing I like a lot too, that's low key. Uh, that doesn't get like a ton of, I love Russell Gage. So Buccaneers, man. 
you know, Russell Gage, not exactly like a, you know, a super household name, but like if, if there ever was like a dude, like he's like built for like to play with Tom Brady, uh, you know, and it was an effective player. Yeah. He was good against man coverage last year. Uh, he's still kind of raw. He was a converted defensive back at LSU. Didn't get a lot of time at receiver, but he's going to go now step into a situation where the, the offense is already going to have Mike Evans on the field. Chris Godwin's probably not going to start the year being active. You obviously don't have Antonio Brown. We saw at the end of last season when they only had Mike Evans and we don't know what's going to happen with Gronk, like the Tyler Johnson's, the jailer, Dar- Jalen Darden's like the Cyril Grayson's like there, there wasn't a lot there underneath. Um, so the start to season next year with Brady coming back, I mean, adding guy like Russell Gage, I think he's going to be a really productive player at the start of the season with Godwin out and still will be a productive wide receiver three when you have to devote resources to Mike Evans and Godwin on the field together. And hopefully we get Gronk again, man. Let's not lose Gronk in Tampa. Yeah, that, that I mean, we I think we saw like so much of, of the fallout from Brady coming back, right? Is the Tampa Bay went from well, we're not totally sure, you know, if we're going to be able to bring uh, everyone back, like we might need to like start thinking about uh, like what's next to screw it, let's bring everybody back because we have Brady, right? We saw that with with Ryan Jensen immediately came back, uh, you know, Carlton Davis, who was like as good as gone uh, once Chris Godwin got the franchise tag, then he came back. Uh, you got the Godwin then on the the, the extension um, instead of just playing on the franchise tag. So like they have, again, like been aggressive and aggressive in adding also. And like you said, like Russell Gage is a guy who can be, you know, a, a decent number two, really good number three, um, I, I think we have like a, a bad, if you have like a bad feeling about Russell Gage, it's because like he was forced to be a number one in Atlanta because like they had no other choice. So, like, and he's not really built for that role, but to be uh, a number two while Godwin's out a number three while Godwin and Evans are on the field like that, that's great. Um, you know, and like I said, it, it's, it's better than, uh, you know, a Scotty Miller or a Tyler Johnson, that role, it w- allows those guys to, you know, be like a, a fourth, you know, speed wide receiver. Um, uh, yeah, that, that, that makes uh, a lot of sense. One other one that I like, and, uh, it's going to be a little, uh, under the radar is, uh, Cedric Wilson. In well, this Miami. is the most dance stuff for sure. <laughs> like Kendrick Bourne is your new Kendrick Bourne, man. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> Yes. Uh, but like, uh, but like a, a little faster, I think he can like win downfield a, a little more. And I think like, if you have like uh, just opening up, like it, it's kind of like what we thought Will Fuller could potentially be last year, right? Where you have like Jalen Waddle and Cedric Wilson on, on the field together right now, that just has speed and verticality that, um, you know, Miami didn't really have a uh, last year. Um, so I think like when you have that and I think he can win in like the short and intermediate, like have, have some screens. Like, I think he's, he's a fun uh, guy that can either like be the number two or, or the number three when they want to be in, in 11. Um, it's just, it, it's a fun signing. And I think when you kind of like add in what they did with, you know, Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds, like, and, um, you know, uh, bringing in uh, the Alec Ingold too is going to like be the the Kyle Yuschek, uh of, of that offense. Like what what Miami's offense is kind of like forming into, and what we've seen kind of from the free agency uh, moves. Like they, they still need some offensive linemen. I think we're waiting on like where Teron Armstead's going to go. Like that makes a lot of sense. Um, feels like well, Collins is uh, leaning towards Cincinnati uh, as we record, but like that would make sense. I. I there's still some offensive linemen that they, they do right? like they desperately need to upgrade there um but from like where we're seeing in the skill positions and what some of their free agent signings have said like i 
I'm, I'm interested to see what this Miami offense looks like, but yeah, you're, you're right. This is a, a parody <laughs> of myself uh, in the, the move. I would Oh, the second that about. that went down, I was like, Oh, Dan loves this. I was like, Dan loves this move. Uh, yeah, that is, that is correct. Um, so uh, let's, let's move on to, to some, to some teams we liked and we kind of hinted on it. And again, being, you know, a full, um, you know, a parody of, of things like we've talked about and, and loved. So let, let's just dive into the chargers because um if, if you put like, and I kind of wrote about it, like after they uh, went in on, on Khalil Mack and they had the Khalil Mack trade, um, I was like, this, this kind of points toward an aggressive chargers and, and uh, Tom Telesco at the combine, like it did say that he said there, there is a, a difference um, in the air when you are like, and like how responsibility you have as, as a team builder, when you have someone as good as Justin Herbert on a rookie deal. Like you kind of like have this sense of responsibility to make sure you're making the most of that window. And like, that's what they're doing. So I thought the cool Mac trade was going to point toward an aggressive off season. And I was like, if you know, you want to build around what they're doing, like, I think JC Jackson makes sense uh, at corner. I think Sebastian Joseph day is probably like one of the most obvious, um, you know, fits with the team, like you could have in free agency. And both of those things happened and like at deals that like, I think we can talk about the chargers. Like they, they were aggressive and spent at, at like the top of this market, but it's not necessarily like the top of like the, the markets, like in, in a, in a sense, like uh, at the positions for JC Jackson to only get five years, 85, $82.5 million. Like, uh, obviously like that's a lot of money, but that was the deal. Byron Jones got two off seasons ago. Like, I will take JC Jackson on that deal like all the time. Like we, we heard rumors of like Jalen Ramsey type money at like maybe $20 million mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. a year and to get him at like 16 and a half, like that's, that's amazing because he, he changes so much of what you can do. You have a guy who can play man. He's either like, can be on like the backside of, of trips and use like he, like Jalen Ramsey was when he was like on the outside in the Brandon Staley, a defense that completely like switches what you need to do uh, in coverage. So now you can like shade over uh, towards the other side. And when like the chart and the Chargers still have uh, Santa Samuel jr. And, uh, and Derwin James and, um, even to see Adelie, like it, it's kind of like a, a force multiplier where it makes everyone else in that secondary better because you add someone like JC Jackson. And I think it's the same thing with Sebastian Joseph today um, in that interior, that run defense was so bad last year. Like we, we talked about it uh, a lot and we talked about how they, they flipped uh, their strategy. Like they, they loaded the box almost more than any other team in the second half of the year because they had no other choice. And we know like, that's not how Brandon Staley wants to play. He wants to play in that too high with a light box. So like there, there's some upside there too. And like Khalil Mack is obviously like Khalil Mack as, as a pass rusher. And he doesn't even have to be that because he's next to like Joey Bosa, which is like the best guy he's ever you know, been around. So he can be a number two and still be productive, but he's a really good run defender on the edge. And like, I'm not the person who's going to like be talking about run defense by, by a pass rusher, but it, it matters in the Staley defense because of how important those run fits are to structuring the entire defense and playing coverage on the back end. So when you have someone like Cole Mack who can play uh, a good run defense and fit the run well on the edge um, that allows you to play those light boxes, allows you to play that, that structure that they want on the back end. And I just think like every move they've made makes a whole lot of sense and I don't think like they had to go out of their way uh, to like this. This isn't Jacksonville, like overpaying for for 
like mediocre talent. Like they're paying top of the market, but like they they didn't like overextend themselves with anything, which which is why like I really like I would have liked what they did probably even if they did like uh, overextend themselves like even a little bit, but they didn't at all, which is why I think so many of these moves make sense and it's really exciting for what they could potentially continue to build going forward. Yeah, I love that. I think we've seen a little bit of that in Cincinnati, not to the degree, but we saw more of it last year with Cincinnati, you know, spending. Right. Now, but not oh, also not spending like at the top of the market. I obviously didn't like get a guy like Jason Jackson, but like basically they were aggressive. Uh, maybe Trey Hendrickson was the dude they kind of like sunk a lot of, of, of money into. But we're seeing these, you know, the, these guys and the rookie quarterbacks, these teams know like you, this is the, this is your window to operate. And you're seeing a lot more aggressiveness. Uh, you know, from those teams in free agency. I was going to, the one team though, that we didn't see aggressiveness from that does have a rookie quarterback and you kind of, that's where JC Jackson came from. Like the Patriots are just shedding guys. I have uh, no idea what they're doing. I, I'm very curious. I was going to get, yeah, I was just going to, yeah, see what you thought about the, what's going on in New England. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. The, um, and neither one of those trades that they made makes a whole ton of sense to me um I, I get that like chase winovich was kind of buried a, a little bit after you know you got match Udon, you want you know josh you to uh play a little more but um in 2020 chase winovich like had one of the highest pressure mm-hmm. rates among pass rushers um so to to let him go for uh, a linebacker who's you know not particularly good like we're fast and i think one of the things that like new england needed in like that that second level of the defense was speed and like you're not getting that with with mac wilson um so i, I don't think he like comes in as like a, a eventual like dante hightower replacement like that's just i yeah. don't i don't see how that works and then trading uh jack mason for for only a fifth round pick um and to give him to tampa bay uh, of all places like i i I'm, I'm not totally sure like jack mason was i think uh was ninth in in pass block win rate uh among guards like he's he's still really good um so to make the offensive line a little worse to only get a fifth round pick um to uh shift uh a an edge rusher uh, the way they have and then you know not really going out and, and spending anywhere like they still need an Again, uh, the the number one um, Kendrick Bourne uh, podcast, but like they need someone to like be the number one receiver there and allow you know Bourne to to do some of his other things and even like Jacoby Myers like allow him to be the the two or three. Um, so I, again, like the off season's not over, but right now, if you're just kind of looking at the overall plan. Um, you know, even when like they went out and spent last year, um, and whether like those were like the money they like the amount of money they should have spent. Like we at least saw like what their plan was. They right. wanted to bring in those, um, the, the tight ends, even though they didn't end up running as much 12 as, as we thought they were going to. And like, we saw where they wanted to go at an upgrade at wide receiver. Uh, this year, it just like, doesn't seem like, I, I just don't exactly know what, what the plan is. And I, I feel like, you know, you can you know, doubt Bill Belichick a little bit and like, they'll end up being fine. But I just, the overall, it's, it's not clear to me exactly what, what right. they're doing. And, uh, and I think that's, that, that, that does seem weird. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's where we are with that one. I don't know where, where else to go, uh, for this. I mean, there's a couple like low key stuff that I just like the directions some teams are going that are bad, that probably is going to move the needle. Like, you know, um, I don't think like DJ shark changes a lot for Detroit, but I think that's the type of signing you make instead of giving a big contract to like a Christian Kirk or something else. Like you take a low leverage, just put functional football players on the field around your core talent. If it works out, 
then great. It, it's a, it's a huge bonus. If it doesn't, then, you know, you, you're not like hamstring yourself. Uh, you know, I think we've seen the jets do that a little bit too, with some of their signings, uh, yep. teams that, that, that teams that aren't very necessarily like, like they're probably not going to make the playoffs this year, but they're not also, I think forfeiting their future for like not really immediate gains, like a team like Jacksonville is doing right now. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've you've heard enough podcasts and yeah, seen yeah, enough written about what Jacksonville is doing. But man, what the hell is Jacksonville doing? It's I like, do like that 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 you have two smaller teams that like are still just trying to build. You see the process going on with teams like I think uh, when you look at Detroit and like the Jets, you see like an actual form formulation of a plan. Uh, there's a the start of that maybe in Miami too, but obviously it's just started. So you know we have to see what, what's going on there. But yeah. The, the, the Jags, though. I'm yeah, so sorry and, for you, Duvall. Well, it's the cons, right? Like, uh, you know, that's what they do, man. From from this is the, a whole decade's worth of spending. Like, this isn't new for the Jaguars. Like, this is what they've done for the last decade in free agency, and uh, uh, hasn't really worked out. And um, I, I'm not in the wrestling format. So isn't what they do in the wrestling too? Um, yeah, but like they're so, so I think if, I think if Tony Khan was more involved in the football side, I think some of these things would make a little more sense, but I think he's only, uh, tangentially involved in like actual decision-making like in the analytics department. Like this is very much a, like a, a Trent Balky run. And I think, I think Shad Khan just kind of allows whatever is happening underneath him to, to happen. Um, and so I think he just says, sure, I'll, I'll sign off on this. And I, I think like he's, you know, a supportive owner in, in that way, but I don't think, you know, really understands the, the gravity of what's going on. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, if we're going into like, the, I think AEW makes like a lot of like really good and smart business decisions. And I don't think that is uh, a, what has happened um, with the rest of uh, the con run um, organizations. Um, so, yeah. Um, and I, I think like one more, like really like big splash that I think we like, could talk about is Von Miller to the, to the bills. Um, this was a lot of fun. Obviously like initially reported as like six years and $120 billion, which uh, <laughs> is nuts. Uh, and then like it's, it's 53 guaranteed over the first three years, which is still like top of the market, like edge rusher money, but like it's, it's a three-year deal uh, and they'll see how it goes, you know, after that. But you, you, we were kind of like the bills were having a very bills off season, uh, like before that, like just bringing in some, you know, low key guys, even like, even though JC, JD McKissick, uh, changed his mind and went back to Washington. Like you, you could see, like, it was a very bills move to like, try to do that, but then having the splash with Von Miller, I think like it, that makes a ton of sense for what they want to do on defense. Like, uh, you know, they had the rotation last year and we, like, we, we talked about that a lot, how they had the defensive line rotation, mm-hmm. have everything, um, everybody just kind of coming in fresh and that really worked well at the end of the season. But now Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison are, are free agents now. Um, but they, they never had like a singular guy like Von Miller. And I think that helps a lot. That's probably going to help them rotate on the other side, like opposite him um, with, uh, you know, the Rousseau's and the Epineses and, and the other guys like uh, bringing in Tim Settle is a, a really good move. I think having that on the interior, like Ed Oliver was really good last year. And I think like, we just kind of like had this idea of Ed Oliver when he came into the league, we kind of like propped him up as like a potential, like next Aaron Donald. And he wasn't exactly that, but he was really good last year, both, you know, 
uh, rushing the passer and defending the run. So I think you just have that defensive line and you either like have Von Miller, like be Von Miller, or you can like rotate him a little bit and save him for the playoffs. And I think that defensive line rotation, like could really help him, uh, you know, stay healthy, uh, late in the year. Cause I think we saw like when he got his feet in the playoffs last year, like he was really good. So, uh, that, that type of move for Buffalo, like, uh, I'm really excited for them to like, actually, like instead of like having like the Indianapolis route of we're just going to like hang back, like we kind of know what we are. We don't need to make a splash, but having them like make that Von Miller move, I think like is, is really big. And I think like, absolutely, especially because we don't really know what the, what the secondary is going to look like. You know, you have Tredavious White coming off his torn ACL. Um, you don't really have a second outside corner right now with Levi Wallace, a free agent, like you have for the best safety duo in the league. Um, but there's still questions there. So I think just upgrading that pass rush, that was already a pretty good pass rush without like a star. Now to add a potential star there, like I, I, I really love like being, um, you know, selectively aggressive at, at that spot. I'm curious too with the McKissick signing, the not signing, uh, in them being in on Travis Etienne to the point where Travis Etienne thought he was going to Buffalo at pick 30. Like they clearly have a, a vision for that type of player in the offense that they haven't had. I'm curious to see if they can land someone uh, like that. Cause there's definitely, they've been nibbling on that type of player and what he could be in the offense. Um, so I think there's, a, there's some strong signal there that they want that type of guy to play in the offense. And, they, and we haven't seen that kind of a guy in their offense. So I'm really curious to see what it would look like. Yeah, they've, they've kind of like, it, it's clear that they have like really you know, wanted that and they kind of like tried to make Zach Moss that the, a little bit when, when they could with throwing him some passes and that hasn't completely worked out. And like, so uh, when I was in Indianapolis, I, I did uh, some radio for Buffalo and um I guess there's like a, a swelling around there, at least to the fans of like a potential, like that being a Saquon Barkley destination. I was like, that, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. It doesn't really like jive with the Buffalo's like MO of how they like approach that position. And like someone like JD mm-hmm. McKissick makes a lot more sense. But I think if, if you get to a point where like the price is low enough, maybe I still don't think that that makes a lot of sense, like, especially at, at like at, at that price. Um, but I think we'll, we'll see them. I mean, there, there's not a lot of guys like that left on the free agent market, but there are a ton of guys uh, who could potentially like have that type of role uh, in the draft. Uh, like there's no star running back in this draft, but I think there's a lot of guys that could be uh, potentially useful uh, for that role. So I think we might see, you know, Buffalo, you know, fill that in there, but yeah, I think like that is definitely something to watch. Uh, Buffalo wants you know, looking at what they have, um, at wide receiver, like they're kind of, they can still add there also. Um, but I think like OJ Howard is, is a fun, um, mm-hmm. it's a fun addition there potentially like throw in a little more 12 where you still have like two guys who are really good at, at catching passes. Um, so that can still like act like 11 if you have uh, OJ Howard and Dawson Knox on the field at the same time. Um, I think like just having, you know, having those different elements in, in the Buffalo offense is going to be fun. So yeah, watching like where that like pass catching running back uh, is going to come from. I, think, I mean, yeah, give us definitely... one low leverage. Just give us Coral Patterson, a backfield of Coral Patterson, Josh Allen, Isaiah McKenzie in motion. Uh, and let's get super weird. Yeah. Coral Patterson makes, makes a ton of sense. And that could, that could be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So there we go. Like that, that might be a, a highlight, a highlight signing. Uh, so we, we still have, we still have some guys that like some oh, yeah. big, big things that, that need to come like uh, Tyron Matthew. Um, 
uh, still a free agent. So like we're 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 not done here. We're, this is just this is just the first wave, um, which whew, we've we've done a, we've done a lot of writing on on this free agency uh, already. Uh, there will still be more. So you can find all of that on uh, on sharpfootballanalysis.com. Again, like I've been uh, analyzing and and grading just about every not every free agent move, but most of the major free agent moves. Rich has been writing up um, all of the the fantasy relevant. Um, uh, free agent signings uh, and trades. Uh, so I'm sure there are be there will be more of that. Uh, there will be more um, you know free agency podcasts. And again, we'll we'll be you know coming with with some draft content also uh, as we get closer to that draft, which is coming off in in a month and a half. So uh, it's it's still full speed ahead uh, in this off season here. So um, you can find Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. Thank